Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Hey, Corey. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How's your week been? It's been very interesting. It, it's been rough, but good. Because I'm right. getting to the bottom of all the health stuff. So so that's a good thing. It means soon enough I'll be on the mend. Nice. Clarity is awesome, isn't it? It is. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we'll provide some clarity on some key topics of this week. We've got a ton um, up for this podcast. So we're going to go through a couple of announcements, things that you're publishing on your site, um, uh, your article that you recently published about cell towers. Well, we've also definitely got to talk about this approval of lab-grown chicken, which we've been warning about for a while now. It looks like that's happening. Um, COVID origin disclosures happening. A lot of good stuff coming out on that front. Also, DNA in the mRNA COVID jabs. Plus, we'll get into some political stuff with the the Adam Schiff censure and yeah. Hunter Biden's sweetheart plea deal. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All kinds of stuff to go over today. Yeah. Somehow we managed to pack it into an hour every time. Yeah, we, we've got a lot. So let's get going. <laughs> we do. So I'll start jamming. So, uh, yeah, so the movie Sound of Freedom is finally hitting the theaters uh, July 4th. So you can get uh, tickets online now ahead of time. And so I published that on my site if you're looking for links on that uh, to combat uh, child trafficking. I think it's important to get that message out so people understand the epidemic, just, just how huge the situation is uh also have an awesome solution series episode it was really fun on electroculture and energy with matt rosk uh and i i think it i never know if it's rosk or rusk it's probably i'm probably saying it wrong but great guy great information we had a lot of fun with that one so that one is previewing friday and then the full episode will be out on tuesday so I'll start. Should I kick off with the cell phone one? Yeah, let's do it. Our cell towers, I oh, should say. First, first, let me give people a warning up front. Uh, my plumber is here working on a <laughs> leak in the shower. So there's been banging going on all morning. It seems to have stopped, but <laughs> just just a little if, heads up if, if you, you hear banging. Hearing, if you start hearing banging, we're not banging our heads against the desks. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go ahead. All right. So this was an interesting one. Uh I was looking into how many cell towers are around me. And, you know, if you were to sit and guess, I mean, I'm not in a tiny town, but I'm not in a big city, you know? Right. So, I mean, I probably would have guessed like uh, 20 to 30 cell towers. And I was asking friends and family too, how many towers do you think are here? So I go and do, an, do a search and we'll, we'll go through that so people can see um, what this site shows if you want to do a search, and I highly recommend it, of your area. Uh, so I did a search of a three mile radius and holy crap, over 170 towers. And then there were also like over 150 antennas. So I was I was jaw dropped to be honest, and I know that they've been amping up the five G and everything, but you know a lot of these towers have been here, and so I start going through and I'm clicking through because it shows you the companies and they're all linked, and if you click on them, you can get some basics. You know where the company's located, 
the uh, latitude longitude, how how big the cell tower is. You know, most of them are like 100 to 150 feet. Um, and then, you know, who the, who the company is. And then you can even see a satellite image. So I come across this one. I'm just poking around. I'm like, who's this company? And who's that company? And, and uh, I see this image and I'm like, what the hell is this? It looks like a tall white column that's 150 foot tall i'm not seeing any antennas here what is this so i look into it and i go on satellite and i walk the street and i'm zooming in and i'm like oh my god this is a flagpole but it's a cell tower and i've never heard of that one before so i start researching it and i call my girlfriend i say hey you want to go on a little 10 minute road trip i'm grabbing my trimeter i want to go check this out and so, yeah, this is a picture of what you're showing here. This is not my area or the company who, well, I honestly don't even know who the company is who did the one in my area. But this is one I was trying to find a picture of one because I went at nighttime, so I didn't take pictures. But I wanted people to see what I was looking at. And, and it literally looks just like a flagpole with the exception of the circumference of the column being, you know, much broader. I'd say... If I was to, I mean, they actually had like this little wraparound bench at the base of it, if you can believe that. Uh, so the the circumference of it, gosh, I don't know, it was probably like three feet across. I mean, it's pretty hefty, but you look at it and you don't, you would have no clue. And in my particular area, they literally put this in the middle of like a community area, a community center. There's like walking trails. They have a whole little picnic benches and seating area right next to it. And I'm going, Oh my God. So we're driving over there and I had my meter on the whole time. Cause I just wanted to see as we're taking turns, going down different blocks, as we're getting close to it and we get about 300 feet away and my meter just, it just needles out, just going nuts. And as we get closer, it, it tapers down some, kind of interesting and then it was fluctuating back and forth back and forth so then we got out and we walked around and I just you know was checking the different but there's no markings on it uh there was like uh doors that went kind of under the hill into where it, it almost looked like um storage for the grounds you know uh, but obviously it was a way to get up in there. So I'm not even sure, to be honest, how the antenna part of it works, because there's nothing that you, visible that you can see on the exterior of this thing. Um, and so I start looking into this, wanting to know, like, how many of these are in our country? And this started back in the uh, early 2000s. So I don't know how many are out there. But while looking into this, I discovered, you know, they're also doing this like in fake pine trees and cacti and uh, palm trees. And yeah, so here's some pictures. If you just scroll through those, Edge, um, of, uh, and crosses, like churches are saying, sure, sure, go ahead. Let's construct some crosses and we'll put them inside there. And then you can pay us because, you know, they, they pay you if they're going to put these on your land. Wow. So I know, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So, oh, there's over, there's like 417,000 cell sites, which is a little different than the cell towers. Um, 
there's over 142,000 towers and and then there's additional you know antennas and and of course 5g amped all this up and i wanted people to be aware of this so they're um paying attention especially if you're looking to like buy property or something like scout this stuff out and in fact let's go into go into antennasearch.com because i i just want people to see so so we're just picking nashville because i i wanted to pick just like some you know, a somewhat sizable city. And so if you do a search on that, it shows you a three mile radius of all the towers. So how many do we have? The left edge is kind of cut off edge, so I can't read. 13 so. is what, oh no, was, whoa, never mind. <laughs> yeah, go all the way to the top where it Hold says on. 1,000. Uh, 1, yeah, 1,104 towers. In, yeah. in the Nashville area, plus mm-hmm. 1,112 antennas. And as you scroll down, so all of those companies in blue, um, they show you like registered and non-registered. So just like, I don't know, just pick one. Let's let's click on one. And then it should show us just the basic details of the company and see, then you get the satellite image too. So you can see, oh, what kind of structure is this? And so it's very handy if you want to do research in your area and make sure that, you know, you're protecting yourself and whatnot. Uh, so, so yeah, so I was looking into this and, and I'm finding, you know, some towns where people are saying, oh, we don't want the aesthetics of this, you know, the big scaffolding ones with all the antennas and of course, now they're even putting them on top of water towers because who doesn't want a dose of radiation running through their water, right? Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> freaking insane. It's insane. So I saw where there are some, you know, townspeople in various areas across the country that are battling this. And what I discovered was uh, that, you know, they don't want these in their backyard, whether it's visible or not. But they're saying now they're battling over the aesthetics and they want it to be camouflaged because it's just so obnoxious looking. And the reason is, is because huh, states are going along with this crap and complying. So there was a provision um, in the 1996 Federal Telecommunications Act, and it states that no state or local government or or instrumentality thereof may regulate the placement, construction, and modification of personal wireless service facilities on the basis of the environmental effects of radio frequency emissions to the extent that such facilities comply with the regulations contained in this chapter concerning the environmental effects of such emissions. So basically what they're saying is for health reasons, communities, and uh, the states are not allowed to argue that we don't want this here because we don't feel it's safe. We don't feel it's safe to the environment, to the birds, to the people, what have you. Uh, that as long as they are following along with um, the standards, the guidelines that were set by the FCC, which minimally took health and safety standards on radio frequency radiation into account, they're prohibiting local governments from considering these health effects. 
and the government the the states are just going along with this which i think is bs because they don't have to from a constitutional standpoint they do not have to so it's yeah, just, the FCC uh, has definitely ignored the health of, and safety, you know, the oh, health obviously. effects of radio frequency radiation uh, for years. Yeah. They've covered yeah. up studies and there's like so many studies because I remember recently researching this as part of one of my reports that I, uh, you know, that I published on Corey Stiggs, one of the um, funding the control grid reports, the technological aspect of things and how much money goes into oh, yeah. this. And it's like all of these agencies are captured in one way or the other, whether it's, you know, big pharma capturing all the medical side, you know, all of those agencies. But it's like the really the telecommunication side of things really has captured, you know, these these big telecommunications companies have really captured places like the FCC. Right. And how much how much money are the states garnering from that? Like how much are they benefiting and getting kickbacks out of this by putting, you know, X, Y and Z amount of towers and 5G up? Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's going on, too. So I just want to read this one little paragraph from the FCC so people understand what they're 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 basing this on, which is absolute hogwash. They say, in the case of cellular and PCS cell site transmitters, the FCC's RF exposure guidelines recommend a maximum permissible exposure level to the general public of approximately 580 microwatts per square centimeter. This limit is many times greater than RF levels typically found near the base of cellular or PCS cell site towers or in the vicinity of other lower powered cell site transmitters. Calculations corresponding to a worst case situation, all transmitters operating simultaneously and continuously at the maximum licensed power, show that in order to be exposed to RF levels near the FCC's guidelines, an individual would essentially have to remain in the main transmitting beam and within a few feet of the antenna for several minutes or longer. Thus, the possibility that a member of the general public could be exposed to RF levels in excess of the FCC guidelines is extremely remote. And that's absolute hogwash. So so because of this, we're going to throw up some picnic benches right around the towers (laughs) and walking trails just to show you how much we believe this crap. Yeah, yeah. Ah. It's insane. And, And then not even indicate that it is a cell tower. I mean... At least with the trees, it's clear. You certainly don't know it with those crosses. Like, I don't even know how those things emit through there. You know, I didn't have time to keep digging further into this. I just wanted to get, make people aware of this and say, hey, talk to your state reps and talk to your communities because they're just going along with this, um, this so-called guideline regulation rule that, that no state or local government can um, try to regulate you know, where it can be constructed or the placement of it. It's, it's absurd. So, yeah. So I just wanted to get that information out to people and they can go check in their own area and and scope it out. Go on a little field trip. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and I did have people asking. So what, what I have done is I got like a whole home device um, by blue shield because it was recommended to me by a few people that found it helpful. So I only got it a couple of weeks ago. I can't honestly tell you right now whether I'm feeling any different because for one, I when I do go to sleep, I 
I sleep hard. So it's not like, um, because a lot of people will say, oh, I'm sleeping better. And, you know, uh, and as far as I have so many different health things going on right now, it's um, that I'm working on that it's kind of hard to say, oh, yeah, that's what's helping this. Um, and then as far as the uh, RF meter that I use, I use Trifield. So if you just search Trifield, it's one word, um, you know, EMF, RF, it's, it's like a trimeter. Um, you'll find it. So that's Okay. what I use because I had several people asking me that. There you go. So There you go. um, you can check out Corey's article for more details on her research and check out antenna antennas, antennasearch.com. Sorry about that. Antennasearch.com. <laughs> Uh, to find out more about the antennas going up in your area and even be able to drill down on some of these companies as well as the satellite imagery and where they're located. Yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, so then we have the wonderful, uh, I mean, okay, just so people know, this was already approved long ago. Uh, they just had to put like the final stamp on it and announce it. So, and, and I'll get into that. So this is on the U.S. approves chicken made from cultivated cells, the nation's first lab grown meat. Uh, and, and this was for, uh, so this just happened on Wednesday. They approved the sale of chicken made from animal cells, allowing two California companies to offer lab-grown meat to the nation's restaurant tables and eventually supermarket shelves. So it's the uh, Upside Foods and Good Meat, who I have reported on and tracked for several years now. And I'll, in a minute, we'll bounce over to my other two reports because I have a timeline because it's important to note the name changes and subsidiaries and who's actually funding these and, you know, the, the timeline behind this. Um, but also the, the podcast that we did with Elza is a fantastic one for that was on uh, pharma food uh, podcast number 178. That was a great one because Elza had done a ton of research into the processing of this and the cell lines and the cultivating and how they do this. And Right. so Completely she destroying any Oof. idea of how this is environmentally friendly because of the Mm -hmm. just complete toxins that they produce in the process, how it's Yeah. in any way healthy for you because it just breaks that apart with how much crap is inside of this stuff and, you know, just mad science that they're doing. So, yeah, it's definitely an important one. Yeah. Yeah. And it cracks me up because, you know, of course, this is all under the guise of climate change. So they say, you know, eliminating harm to animals and drastically reducing the environmental impacts of grazing, growing feed for animals and animal waste. And so we have this in this NBC article, they actually play an older three minute clip of when they went uh, inside uh, Upside Foods. inside their facility and they talked with them there and i just wanted to show it because i want people to see what this facility looks like where they're growing this but also to hear what they say because it cracks me up you know they say scientists say we may not have the land or water to raise meat for everyone when the freaking government has a like 
owns half the land in 11 of our states, which is absurd. And there's so much, so much vacant land. <laughs> there's the the myth that we are going to run out of land or or water for that matter is is comical. But they're referring to this um, in this video clip. They refer to it as the ranch of the future. Oh, good grief. Oh, yes. All right, let's watch <laughs> this. <laughs> This year, the center of the holiday table, be it a Thanksgiving turkey or a Christmas ham, is going to cost more. The short-term cause, supply chain issues. The long-term, our demand for meat is outpacing production. The United Nations estimates that global meat consumption will go up by 14% in the next decade alone. And scientists say we may not have the land or the water to raise meat for everyone. And that's why this could be the ranch of the future. It's a company called Upside that can grow vast amounts of meat from a tiny thimbleful of real animal cells. I would think coming in here that this is fake meat, but you take exception to that. 100%. And I, I completely understand why you said it, because a product like this has never been on the market before. And humans, as humans, we, we have always said meat is equal to a slaughtered animal. Uma Valetti was a cardiologist trying to regrow heart tissue for patients with cardiac trouble when he realized the same technique could grow all sorts of meat. He found investors and this lab in Emeryville, California is the result. So what is wrong with chicken and poultry as we eat it now off a farm? The great thing about it is everybody loves it, right? but we don't have space to grow that many animals. And to grow that many animals, you need to be putting them in intensely difficult conditions to grow. And that creates the risk of things like pandemics or zoonotic diseases or you know, health concerns. And lab-grown meat is, well, a lot faster. It takes two years for a cow to be raised and go to slaughter as a young beef cattle. About a year for a pig and three months for a chicken. We can grow meat in two weeks to be able to say cows, chickens, pigs, ducks, turkeys, fish, they can all be grown in a two-week period. And to do that, they use the greatest hits of the protein. There's so many possibilities of what we can do, right. because you're picking the best quality cells for the taste that you're looking for, and you're putting them together and growing only those cells. So the options are unlimited. But for cultivated meat to make a dent in the global market, first, they have to convince carnivores everywhere that this really is meat. We don't expect um, everybody to fall in love with it right away. But I think there is just enough people that will fall in love with it to start giving it a foothold in the universe of food. They'll also need federal approval, which is still pending, and the same inspection process all meat undergoes. I signed a waiver for eating something experimental, and the company brought out its food scientists to make me some chicken. Once it hit the pan, it caramelized like chicken does, it smelled like chicken does? I see you with your fancy sauces, but I'm going to try and get just at the chicken Please. here. <laughs> oh, wow. So you can taste the Maillard reaction. You can taste the burnt sugars of the outside. Yeah, sure. It's quite tender for wow. a, a, what's supposed to be sort of a chicken breast. Yeah, and that base note of the after effect, yeah. I wouldn't know. 
I wouldn't know if I bought this in the store and didn't read the fine print. I would totally just go, oh, yeah, that thing had feathers once. <laughs> Jake Ward, NBC News. He wouldn't know if he didn't read the fine print. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're referring to it, you know, as uh, cell cultivated or cultured. But just so people know, what they did is both Good Meats and um, Upside Foods partnered with restaurants. And it's starting in restaurants. And it's very expensive. As, as Elza pointed out, the processing of this is extremely expensive. So they're saying, oh, we won't have this in supermarkets for seven to 10 years, but maybe in the next few years, we'll have it in some more restaurants. So they partnered with uh, a San Francisco restaurant called Bar Cren and Good Meat uh, is at a DC restaurant run by chef and owner, Jose. Oh yeah. That it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why don't they say the restaurant name? That's interesting. So upside is at bar Cren and then good meat is in a DC restaurant run by chef and owner, Jose and Andreas. Uh, and they're saying that there's more than 150 companies that are focusing on meat from cells, not only chicken, but pork, lamb, fish, and beef. And uh, which of of course, scientists say is the biggest impact to the environment. Crack me up. So it's so opposite. It's so, such an inverse of reality. When you yep. actually start digging into the processes that they have to go through to create this disgusting cell cultured product yeah. and all mm -hmm. of the byproducts of that work, which are really like terrible contaminants to the environment it's insane yeah i agree and and so they did this poll um the associated press nork center for public affairs research did a poll and they said half of u.s adults said they are unlikely to try meat grown using cells from animals when asked to choose from a list of reasons for their reluctance most who said they'd be unlikely to try it, said it just sounds weird. About half said they don't think it would be safe. Uh, so what's interesting though is, now I just totally lost my train of thought. See, damn health things. Uh, completely lost my train of thought there, Edge. <laughs> Well, I know that you wanted to go through the timeline on some of the reports that you've already done about the lab-grown meat stuff because I do, I do, you've actually because... talked about some of these companies. Yeah, because Upside Foods and um, – here, let me see what I got over here. On – sorry, I'm reading this. I had this marked. Oh, here we go. All right. Eat Just Subsidiary. Okay, so Good Meat – is if we go down to 2011 in my timeline. Um, so I have to almost just read this whole thing so you understand because there's subsidiaries and then there's changing of names. And this is gonna show you who's really behind this. And when he says, you know, he came up with this and then he had to find investors, I think the investors found him. I mean, that's my humble opinion. So Eat Just Inc was formed in 20 uh in 2011 it former it was formerly hampton creek foods so 
They often just go by Jost. And it was founded by Josh Tetrick and Josh Bulk and is headquartered in San Francisco, of course. So they produce the plant-based alternatives to conventionally produced egg products. The initial seed funding came from uh, Kosla Ventures, owned by Vinod Kosla, one of the co-founders of Sun Microsystems, who also invested in, po- in Impossible Foods and is a member of Bill Gates' Giving Pledge. Now, Salesforce CEO Mark Beinoff, uh, Facebook co-founder Eduardo Severin, and Hong Kong billionaire Lin Kaxing, uh, of the, the Founders Fund and Yahoo founder Yuri, Jerry Yang and Ali Partavi all invested as well. Eat Just subsidiary is Good Meat, and they're the ones who produce lab-grown meat, who was just approved. Then, two years later in 2013, Bill Gates and Peter Thiel invested in Eat Just. Again, they're the parent company to Good Meat. So now in in 2015, Memphis Meats, which is now known as Upside Foods, which is out of Berkeley, California, uh, their food technology company focused on growing the cultured meat, of course. And that was founded by Uma Valetti, Nicholas Genovese, I am totally butchering names, I know, and Will Clem. So... In, let's see, invested. Okay, so then in 2017, okay, so again, Memphis Meats is Upside Foods. So in 2017, just uh, five days before signing of Whole Foods over to Amazon, Bill Gates and Richard Branson invested in Memphis Meats. So Gates Branson, Elon Musk's brother, Kimball Musk, and Cruz co-founder, Kyle uh, Voigt, have funded $17 million to Memphis Meats as of 2017, and Tyson Foods and Cargill also have a stake in it. So by 2020, they had $161 million in investments for its production facility. Again, Memphis Meats, Upside Foods. This is what we just watched on the on the video. That right. facility, these are the people who funded it. Right. So I was looking for the Bill Gates connection, obviously, and he's basically behind both of the fake meat products that were just approved. Right. Along so with then, many others. Right. Right. So then in April 2021 is when Singapore became the first country to offer the lab-grown meat because, you know, they always test this stuff out before they bring it here. So they did it through their home delivery platform called Food Panda and Eat Just partnered with them through their subsidiary Good Meat and Google even provided a cardboard headset that plays a film about preserving the planet that comes with each order. (laughs) So they intended on taking this model global where delivery hero brands operate, which is currently in over 50 countries. Eat Just Inc. is also an investor of Delivery Hero. So we can see how they've been planning on branching, where it started and how they're branching this out and where they intend to go with this. And then in August 2021, uh, Memphis Meats, again, that's Upside Foods, 
partnered with the San Francisco restaurant, uh, which we're now, you know, hearing about in this uh, NBC News thing. And, and I said back then when I wrote this, that once it passes a regulatory review from the FDA and USDA, which should be a slam dunk. And it was a slam dunk. And so um, if we go to my next article, um, this one I actually did last November. So on November 16th, the FDA had completed its pre-market consultation for Upside Foods animal cell culture technology to produce chicken from cultured chicken cells. Upside Foods recently launched their lab-grown meat facility in California and is backed by 37 investors, including Bill Gates and Tamasek Holdings. Um, as I reported, yada, 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 yada. The They had already approved the overall process of this long ago they were just working on the consult uh, the overall consultations the cell lines and the labeling regulations so that's one thing they didn't say uh in i mean it's going in restaurants so right. i guess they'd have to market on their menus but so i don't know if they're going to go by the terms that they used in the nbc article if that's what they ended up settling on where it's um what was it? Cultured, cultured meat or cultured cells or something like that. Right. But, right. but the word cultured is going to be key here because they're not going to use lab grown because it's gotten too much negative um, feedback on that. So there's, they're not going to use that terminology. I mean, I was actually surprised NBC threw that word in their headline. Right. Yeah. So that is a good question, though, because if they're going, the first route is going to like these high end restaurants where, you know, people that are willing to give their money away for this kind of stuff and have money to give away for expensive fake meat um, would buy it. Um, are they required to disclose that it is cell cultured or cultured? Um, because I know that the, the requirements are different in restaurants on labeling things than say if you're to buy things at the grocery store there's a lot more stringent guidelines about the labeling of products that you buy at say the grocery store right right yeah i i would think they would have to indicate that on a menu but who knows so i just want to read this one last thing um because this this was something that was pointed out by uh jd hansen policy director of the center for food safety pointed out that the FDA's approval is grossly inadequate. In this pre-market consultation, neither the company nor the FDA presented the actual data from tests looking at the effects of raising these cells in fetal bovine serum and enzymes from the intestines and pancreas of animals, while the company notes that it uses genetic engineering to keep the cells growing, it fails to share which genes are being used. This is vital information that consumers and policymakers need to know to make informed decisions in the best interests of public health. We should make certain that genes linked to cancer are not being used. This is a woefully deficient review by the FDA, who states it has no further questions about this experimental product safety. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You think that we would need to know if there's some cancer in our cultured meats. <laughs> Right? Oh, disgusting. So there's the extended version of NBC's article that's completely inadequate, in my opinion. 
Yeah, definitely. All right, so heads up on that, although I doubt it's going to be coming to grocery stores anytime soon. This product seems to be pretty um, limited as far as availability, right, because of the price point on it. And so it looks like I, they're targeting restaurants first. Right. I think we can, I think if enough people just, you know, are disgusted by it and don't buy it, then then it's not really going to go anywhere. And quite honestly, from our previous discussions we've had on this, I, I do think there's some other nefarious reasons they were wanting approval on this. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're literally growing body parts, organs, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's yeah. pretty disgusting. So it what else are we going to do with this wonderful science project? Yeah. Speaking about mad science, let's get into the next <laughs> topic. Um, okay. So some really good disclosures coming out on the origins of COVID lately. I don't know if you've been paying attention to this, but it's all coming out now about how COVID patient zero is from the Wuhan lab. So Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi, who we know from all of the Twitter disclosures, uh, recently reported disclosures by several U.S. government officials that, and this was with 100% certainty, they said, that the first patient infected with COVID were researchers at the Wuhan lab, including this guy, Ben Hu. So... Oh. Ben Hu led the gain-of-function research uh, on SARS-like coronaviruses at the Wuhan lab. And it was Ben Hu and two other scientists at the lab that became ill in November of 2019. So Ben Hu is listed as the lead researcher on several grants from Fauci's NIAID, right here mm -hmm. on bat coronavirus uh, look, note uh, how it's <laughs> collaborating with eco health right right yeah. um also usaid's predict program and a chinese government run science foundation known as the national natural science foundation of china so simultaneously as this report came out by schellenberg and taibi um, other reports have come out as well. Um, this one from the Times of London, sourced by three investigators within the State Department. And these may well be some of the same sources that gave, for Taibis and Schellenberg's report. But this report states that, in, uh, that the State Department officials disclosed that the Wuhan lab researchers were in fact collaborating with the Chinese military scientists on bioweapons research and coronavirus experiments. So the report states, um, it includes allegations about the Wuhan lab's collaboration with Chinese military scientists buttressing what had once been dismissed as a fringe conspiracy theory, <laughs> that the virus was connected to bioweapons research. Quote, in the lead up to the pandemic, the Wuhan Institute frequently experimented on coronaviruses alongside the Academy of Military Medical Sciences, a research arm of the People's Liberation Army, the Times reported. In published papers, military scientists are listed as working for the Beijing Institute of Microbiology and Epidemiology, which is the military's academy's base. So there you have it. In short, 
our conspiracy theories are once again confirmed. We now know that this guy, Ben, who uh, was patient zero, um, he was the lead research researcher of gain of function research at the Wuhan lab, funded by Fauci, USAID, and the Chinese government. And that funding from Fauci et al. was specifically to make the fern cleavage site uh, to make the COVID spike protein more deadly and, and infectious um, to humans. And that lab was working with the Chinese military on bioweapons research. Now, he, he passed away, is that correct? I don't or know. No? That's a good question, actually. I, I would assume so, but I, I, haven't, I have no idea, actually. Hmm. I'd have I'll to look while you're there. talking. Yeah, okay. Well, that was pretty much it. I was going to move on to um, the d disclosures that we're getting on s more information about what's inside these COVID injections. So I was reading this report and it's not, uh, you know, just coming out this week, but I don't think that this has gotten hardly any coverage. So and, and I think it's worth noting um, a scientist by the name of Kevin McKernan. Um, that is a leading expert in the field of sequencing DNA and RNA and has discovered, he's discovered some disturbing contaminants in the COVID injections. So McKernan was working actually on a sequencing problem completely unrelated to the COVID injections and actually was using Pfizer and Moderna's uh, bivalent COVID jabs as controls in his research, thinking that they would be pure. But what he discovered is that the bivalent mRNA jabs actually have a lot of DNA in them. And mm -hmm. that was completely shocking to him because that's not supposed to be there like at all now keep in mind that we've already found out through some research that was published in 2022 a study that was done involving human liver cells we've already found out that the pfizer's mrna injection um, was expressed as dna within six hours of exposure meaning there is solid evidence to support that the injections can alter DNA. So this, um, this the DNA that McKiernan found, this is a recent interview that he did for Children Health, Children's Health Defense. Um, he found in these vials, these COVID jab vials, mm -hmm. that the DNA encodes the spike gene Okay, and they're potentially capable of inserting into the genome of an organism. Now, the question is, you know, of course, we have no way of knowing if that DNA found in the COVID jabs has the potential to become part of the human genome, right? right. Uh, because they were intentionally, there were intentionally no genotoxicity studies done on these jabs right to find that that important piece of information out right 
but McKiernan also studied the monovalent injections after he found the DNA and the bio uh, the bivalent shots of, you know, uh, Pfizer's and Moderna's. So he then looked into the monovalent injections and found DNA con contamination there as well. And what this means is that, as he had explained, is that when they're mass producing this mRNA, um, they use like a full DNA sequence in that production process. And then during the pro production process, they do like a filtration sort of way of purifying the contaminants out, um, which obviously it wasn't purified because that full DNA sequence is still in those vials. And he tested several vials, every single one of them having DNA in them. And he said by orders of magnitude more than is ever allowed to be um, you know, in there as far as contamination goes. So, um, yeah, so like, I guess they have a, an acceptable, acceptable rate of contamination and, you know, for the agencies to approve them, but the contamination was 18 to 70 times the acceptable limit of contamination in all of the vials that he tested. And McKiernan noted that the reason why they aren't supposed to have these double-stranded DNA contamination in the injections is that, quote, this is what he said, there's an increased risk of this potentially integrating into the human genome. And that's obviously his biggest concern here and why he published his data, his preliminary data, hoping that it would prompt more research so but he also even and this is also disturbing he also found that the vials contain the sv40 promoter okay so this is a portion hmm. of the sv40 that we've all heard about that has been included in other vaccines and has this horrible history of causing cancer probably, you know, very likely a major reason why we have cancers uh, skyrocketing since the polio vaccine, because I think I've reported on this and you have as well about how mm -hmm. SV40, it's the simian virus 40 derived from monkey kidney cell cultures that contaminated the polio vaccine and are well known oh. to cause cancer. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I think we both reported on this. I did yeah. uh, in the Cancer Within Modern Medicine series, and I can't remember which report that you did on it. Um, but yeah. Goodness, nor can I. But I yeah. do remember. <laughs> yeah. But so McKiernan noted that the SV40 promoter sequence is not the full SV40, it's a, the promoter sequence huh. was present in the Pfizer vial, and that two separate Pfizer vials had uh you know which had sv40 promoters had different vectors on them one viral ha uh, vial had two sv sv40 vectors while the other pfizer vial had only one sv40 vector and both vials he said came from the same lot so he's completely confused um as mm. to why they would do that you know like i, I mean there's really zero um control mechanisms to keep these vials standard and the same because clearly 
um, they're contaminated, number one. Number two, that clearly they each have different things in them, um, according to his research and the research of other people. Um, and so it adds to this question or this claim that, you know, none of these vials are really consistent as they claim to be. And it adds a lot more questions about, you know, what else is in these vials that we haven't been told. So he has published his scientific research on a Substack uh, with his results and online, hoping that it will prompt other scientists to research it as well. He is not hopeful that this is going to be published in any kind of scientific journal because of the politicization and really how captured the whole scientific community is at this point. Uh, but hopefully we'll get prompt some more research um, backing up his claims because, um, you know, if if everything that he says is true, it's really uh, pretty damning. And um, we need to know exactly how, you know, what kind of the health effects this could have, the implications right. of this, right? Absolutely. Like what exactly are they trying to do here? Yeah, that there therein lies the big question. So while while you're going over this, I was just looking up uh, Ben Hu, and being as he's being referred to as in current present day is a leading scientist. I'm going to go with he's still alive. But while I was searching that, it's interesting that every single major news source is covering this right and, and so and yeah <laughs> that's a good that's a good thing that you brought that up because i'm like now why are these u.s government officials state department officials mm -hmm. all of a sudden disclosing this what is the ulterior even motive the new york here? times i mean they're they're all covering it and they're talking about a lot of this information being uncovered in 2021 and um you know, obviously, I haven't had time to sit and if I had time to pick five different media sources and compare how what they're writing, you know, I'd have mm -hmm. more to say on this. But <laughs> my my best guess is that um, they see the writing on the wall and they're trying to shift as much blame to China um, as possible. That's number one. Number two, I think that this is. Um, in anticipation of conflict with China coming up, right? So we have mm -hmm. now a, a just another justification justification for kinetic warfare um, with China um, because of these kinds of disclosures. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Um. I just yeah. I, I'm I'm like just breezing through this new york times piece and if if i just had five minutes to read this i'd have more to say but <laughs> it's it's too, it's too hard to comment on yeah. without going through some of these and seeing what they're up to but there's yeah definitely more reasons as to why they're Oh, I, I, I definitely think that the timing is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to have these disclosures because I just don't know how, um, you know, anybody can trust anything that the government says at this point because we have so much proof that they lied to us about everything. All well, the so-called conspiracies are true. 
Right. And is anyone even reading this right now? Because everyone's glued to the TV or social media regarding the missing submarine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I expect that there is going to be a lot more distractions, as mm. especially as we head into 2024 and mm -hmm. election time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, moving on. And, you know, that's a good segue here because. Um, a lot of stuff is coming out, you know, coming out on the political side of things and the corruption side of things. So, um, you know, this week the House voted to um, to censure Adam Schiff. Now, last week the House GOP's attempt to censure Adam Schiff failed, um, but Representative Luna reintroduced that motion this week and it passed. And I want to play this, you know, thirty. 13 second clip just because i want to <laughs> hear what i want you to hear what's happening in the background because the democrats threw a temper tantrum on the house floor <laughs> no <laughs> on this vote the a's are 213 and the nays are 209 with six answering present the resolution adopted without objection the motion to consider is laid on the table on this vote, the A's are 230. <laughs> I think they're chanting Adam or something, aren't they? What's they're screaming shame. 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 Oh, were they? Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, TDS, Trump derangement syndrome is real. Um, yeah. yeah, it's still still strong. So no 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 fines there or anything though, right? No. So, okay. So right. Schiff was censored uh, for lying to Congress and the American people about the Russia collusion hoax, despite having access to classified information that other members of Congress did not have. And knowing that his claims about the Russian collusion hoax were completely false. And by promoting this deal dossier and knowing that was a total garbage opposition research funded by the Democrats to frame Trump and his associates. So he full well knew what he was doing and he did it anyways. And it impacted the whole landscape, the pol whole political landscape for years. So the censure of Schiff means that the ethics committee in the House will conduct an investigation of Schiff's, you know, lies about Russiagate and how he perpetuated that hoax to target Trump while knowing full well that none of it was true. Um, the um, So a censure is essentially basically just a public rebuke of a member of Congress for unethical behavior. You can attach different things to it, a different additional mandates, such as ethics investigations or fines may be tacked onto it. In this case, the motion that failed last week, um, it included a $16 million fine that would go along with the ethics investigation should he be found guilty of lying to the public. And that fine was dropped in the motion that passed this week. So um, that's not part of it. Um, as for the committee seats, uh, McCarthy already denied Schiff and Swalwell seats on the House Intelligence Committee for their prior abuses of those seats, which you know allows them access to classified information. Right. And um, as for Schiff, well, he knows his days are numbered in the House and he's pivoting to run for Senate in 2024. 
And being the pathological liar and career criminal that he is, Schiff didn't, you know, have any remorse and basically said he would do it all over again. He said, you know, the censure was a badge of honor and uh, doubled down justifying his lies that he had severe impacts. You know, these lies that he told had severe impacts on the country. Um, And he was (laughs) saying that it was all his duty to hold a dangerous out of control president accountable so schiff is using this censure essentially Uh to raise money for his 2024 run of an open california senate seat so it's not the end of schiff unfortunately all right yeah all right so moving on to another scumbag dear hunter biden yeah yeah what a joke This is the scumbag uh, segment of our right? <laughs> podcast. All right. This is some good stuff coming out uh, about Hunter Biden this week. So uh, this week, Hunter Biden received, everybody heard about this sweetheart deal, a plea deal for two federal tax violation charges and one gun law violation So Hunter's plea deal to the two misdemeanor tax charges and the felony gun charge that can be expunged in two years means really essentially Hunter will receive probation rather than any jail time, despite, you know, regular people receiving jail time for the same kind of violations. And far less. Right. And far, far less, far less. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially when you consider like the January Sixers and uh, it's insane. Um, Obviously, Hunter received a sweetheart deal because he's Joe Biden's son. But, you know, why did he get the charges? Why did they charge him with anything at all? You know, I think that, you know, they could they did it so the DOJ can say, look, we're unbiased. We're not politically motivated. This is not a weaponized agency of the Biden dictatorship. This is not. We're going to give him a slap on the wrist. Just to make you feel better. Nothing to see here. This is not a banana republic, even though we're charging Biden's top political opponent for crimes Joe Biden himself committed. (laughs) Um, I think that that's what it is. And so, so they can say, look, we put that to bed. We put that to bed. Hunter's done. We took care of it. Right. Like you can stop, stop complaining about Hunter Biden. There's nothing more to see here, but it gets worse because, you know, the uh, house um, ways and means committee has been conducting their investigation. Um, So two days after the Hunter Biden plea deal was announced, the house ways and means committee released IRS whistleblower testimony of their investigation of Hunter Biden, including multiple felonies that hunter committed tax crimes of 2.2 million dollars receiving 17.3 million dollars in bribes from foreign nationals from ukraine romania china this was all the bribery scheme and it incriminates joe biden and on top of that these whistleblowers gave testimony that shows that the biden doj actually covered up and obstructed their investigation. For example, they would not approve a search warrant of Hunter's documents because they were being stored in Joe Biden's guest house. And they slow walked the authentication of a key piece of legislate or key piece of evidence that incriminated Joe Biden, like this WhatsApp message I want to show you. 
uh, close up and read here. Okay, so this is a um, a WhatsApp message that Hunter had with a Chinese official. It says, quote, I am sitting here with my father and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Tell the director, I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. <laughs> and see, if I don't get, if I get a call or a text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, Joe Biden, <laughs> me and every person he knows, and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that <laughs> you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Wow. Wow. I haven't seen that one. I haven't either. And so this key piece of evidence that the IRS uncovered during their investigation of Hunter Biden, the bribery scheme, the tax fraud, was <laughs> slow walked and covered up by the D DOJ. Okay. Lastly, the whistleblower testimony um, also reveals that Hunter Biden's attorneys were tipped off about evidence held in a storage unit prior to a search being conducted of that storage unit. And mm. they were given time to remove key pieces of evidence from that storage unit, unit before any search. Wow. So the DOJ has clearly been obstructing. We all knew that, but it's just awesome the timing of this drop, um, the IRS whistleblower disclosure, two days following the slap on the wrist by the DOJ of Hunter Biden, which we all knew was total BS. Right. Yep. Insane. But like this key piece of evidence right here, um, I think it's really getting down to it. Um, yeah. Down to it, meaning like it's Joe Biden's bribery scheme. Right. And I think that that's really, really important um, as we head into this really crazy election season um, mm -hmm. that disclosures like this happen to awaken that segment of the population that refuses to um, acknowledge the what's what's been going on here. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, how many will see it? How many have aired this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's why people need to share this podcast and others like that's it. That's right. <laughs> Point edge. <laughs> I think that pretty much wraps it up. We covered a lot. And I think we even went over the hour, Corey. Uh, probably only about like five minutes, though. We're All good. right. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for stay, sticking with us. Please be sure to share this podcast. We are on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, no longer on YouTube. So please be sure to subscribe to our other channels. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.